Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of the RPG Companion Podcast, the companion podcast to Magic Wazubi, where we talk about all things Dungeons and Dragons and some other RPGs as well too. So today's episode, we're going to be doing a little bit something different. Um, This is definitely going to be meant more for video rather than audio, but you're more than welcome to listen to just the audio, um, but you might have a better uh, liking of watching the video than just listening to the audio because I made a PowerPoint presentation for today's video or today's episode. So before we begin, uh, let me get a few little ads out of the way. Uh, this podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and Spotify. And you can also find me on Twitter at MagicWithZuby, on Instagram at Magic underscore with underscore Zuby. And you can reach out to me via email at mtgzuby at gmail.com. And as always, we are sponsored by the great and wonderful LegitMTG.com. If you want to get any magic products and you any your order is over $2 or more, then you will get free shipping at LegitMTG.com. So let's go ahead and begin with today's episode here. Uh, so we are doing a comparison of Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition and Pathfinder 2nd Edition. So I have been steadily, steadily, steadily diving into the world of Pathfinder, and it has been very exciting to learn that system and also play it as well, too. It has been very fun. I still like D&D 5th Edition, but Pathfinder 2nd Edition is almost scratching a different kind of itch that I've been wanting out of a tabletop RPG. So today's episode is not really to go over which is better and which is worse. It's really to go over a lot of the differences here as well, too. I'm trying my best to take a neutral stance for this. So we're going to be going over a few different topics here. We're not going to dive super deep into every single thing here because otherwise this episode would just be unmanageable and pretty boring and frankly, I don't want to go at length into everything here. So we're going to instead be touching briefly on each topic and sort of discussing the differences between the two systems here. So first, we're going to be discussing character creation between the two. What are the differences between the two? Next, we're going to be going over combat as well, too. What are some of the different things you'll find in each system for the combat? And then next, we'll go over skills, meaning the type of skills like athletics, acrobatics, arcana, stuff like that. What are the differences between that? So next we're going to be going over the rule sets for both games to sort of see what are the differences between certain aspects of the rules such as crafting, uh, weapons, uh, shields, stuff like that. And then last we're going to give some of my final thoughts between the two systems as well. The goal of this presentation, again, I must reiterate, is not to go over which is better but to explain the differences and showcase the strengths and weaknesses of each game. I feel like that is very important. This is not a which game is better because other people may enjoy D&D 5th edition more than Pathfinder and vice versa. And there may be people who don't like either of them and that's okay. So this is just to go over for people that are curious out there to see what are the real differences between both games here. Now, to start off with, we're going to be going over character creation. Now, we're going to be using the following as an example for both games here. 
Uh, we're going to be using dwarves as the for the race. We're going to be using the fighter class from both systems, and we're going to be using the soldier warrior background from both systems as well too. Now, granted, each class is very different, um, as we know that you know between marshals and spellcasters. But this is just to give a an example of how to create a very basic character like this in both systems here to sort of showcase how different they both are. So without further ado, let's get into the first part of creating a character and that's choosing a race. Now we're gonna first start off with D&D here in terms of race creation. So when we get to race creation in D&D, we're gonna first pick a race. So in this case, it is the dwarf. Now, when we pick the dwarf, uh, we're gonna be using a uh, pen and paper as an example here. We aren't gonna be using anything digital, no D&D Beyond or anything like that because that makes things way easier when creating characters. But let's just all pretend we're doing pen and paper here when creating these characters in both systems. So in terms of the dwarf, you pick the race, which is the dwarf, and then you go and look in the player's handbook on the dwarf traits and anything that's bolded in black is what you're going to choose and apply to your character in terms of the traits, whether it's, whether it's an ability score increase, the age, dark vision, speed, etc, etc. The other thing is with most races, not all, is you then choose a subrace if applicable. Now, the subrace in terms of the dwarf, just based on the player's handbook, is hill dwarf or mountain dwarf, and you choose either one of those, and you, you add those proficiencies as well, or traits, to your character depending on which subrace you choose. Now, the other thing is with the majority of classes and races in D&D, there are no other benefits gained as you level up with races in D&D. Now, there are some races that start with spells in D&D that you do gain more spells as you level up with that race, but that is few and far between and not very common. That is one of the things you will notice a big difference between D&D and Pathfinder is as soon as you pick your race in D&D, that's it. There's really not much else you're ever going to do with that race. Now, let's go on the flip side of that and look at Pathfinder. Now, with Pathfinder, they don't call them races, they call them ancestries, but for argument's sake, we're going to just call them races, just to make things easier here. Now, when you get to Pathfinder, you pick a race, in this case it's a dwarf again, you apply the traits for that uh, race, which is going to be whether it's going to be speed, starting hit points, the size, the ability boost, etc, etc. The next thing that you would do is choose a heritage, which is Pathfinder's version of a sub-race. Now, each heritage is going to be slightly different. Uh, you'll get different proficiencies and traits, just like you would in D&D when you choose a sub-race. And then, the biggest difference between the two in Pathfinder and D&D is you then choose an ancestry feat. Now, with ancestry feats, you could sort of apply them to be the same as sort of traits that you would get in D&D. With ancestry feats, you get a choice. That is one of the biggest differences. You choose what trait your 
ancestry gets to start off with. So just for example, uh, let's say you chose Dwarven lore and Pathfinder. You eagerly absorb the old stories and traditions of your ancestors, your gods, and your people, studying in subjects and techniques passed down for generation upon generation. You gain the trained proficiency rank in crafting and religion. If you would automatically become trained in one of those skills from your background or class, you instead become trained in a skill of your choice. You also become trained in Dwarven lore. So that is that is where things get a little bit different in Pathfinder here. Now, the other thing to note when it comes to Pathfinder races or ancestries is as you level up, you get access to different ancestry feats as you level up your character. So from for using the dwarf as an example at fifth level you get some other ancestry feats you can choose from at ninth level you get some more at 13th level and so on you'll get access to more and more different kind of feats now that is pretty different from D's to where as soon as you pick your race that's pretty much it you're never ever going to touch your race ever again in terms of by going by the book here in pathfinder it's very different to where every few levels you're going to have to go back to the ancestries part and choose a new feat for your race so next, we're going to be talking about class creation now. Now, we've already picked our race, and now let's go ahead and choose what class we're doing as well. So when it comes to D&D and making a choosing a class, we're going to choose fighter here. And when you choose a fighter, you're going to be doing the following as you create a fighter. You're going to be looking at the class features and you're going to be applying the hit points to your level one character you're going to then apply the proficiencies that your fighter class has available to them as well so for example it has all armor shields simple weapons martial weapons etc you're going to then choose your starting equipment now depending on how your dm does it it may be slightly different but just going by the book you can choose what weapons and armor you start off with and then you're also going to apply any other kind of class features you start off at with at level one as well. And the other big thing with classes in D&D is as you gain levels, you're going to select a subclass and apply those features when you reach that level. Um, most classes in D&D will either get a subclass at level two or level three. In the fighter's instance, you will get it at level three. You get to choose a subclass, an archetype for instance and the only other difference is as you level up in fighter you're going to learn new features as you level up and there is a chart in page 71 of the player's handbook for the fighter that shows what you will gain as you level up in your class that is pretty much it. it's pretty cut and dry in terms of what you're going to be doing as you level up your fighter now Going back to Pathfinder here, we're going to be doing something pretty similar here. So we're going to choose the fighter class for Pathfinder and very similar, you're going to be applying hit points to your race or your class, I should say. Um, the other thing I forgot to kind of mention with the race creation or the ancestry creation, you also start off with hit points based on your race as well. So you're going to add some more hit points with your class that you chose. You're then going to apply 
apply any kind of proficiencies you may have that start off with with the fighter. Um, you're then going to apply class features as well too. And you're going to then the biggest difference here is you're then going to choose a class feat or what they call a fighter feat. So very similar to your ancestry feat, you're going to have a choice of about five to six, maybe even more options at level one for fighter. Um, actually, it looks like it's four, five, six, seven choices for fighter at level one. And you get to choose one of them. And that is what I like about that is that kind of makes your fighter unique off the bat, right? Whereas the level one fighter in D and D, no matter what you choose, you're always gonna sort of be the same. Now, you know, you can make the argument, you get a fighting style at level one with, uh, in D and D, but you know, if both it, it's, pretty cut and dry and same there you, you still get a slight you, you still get a bit of a choice there um, with it but in terms of pathfinder depending on what you choose for your first fighting feat may you know then have a ripple effect to where that's going to affect your choices as you level up as well now the big difference between the two systems here is as you gain levels you will start to gain the following and just like in D&D, there is a little table on page 142 of the Pathfinder Player's Handbook, or the Core Rulebook, I should say. Uh, you get to see what you will gain as you level up. Now, the big difference is in D&D, you're only going to really gain new abilities from your class. Now, in Pathfinder, you're not only going to gain new abilities from your class, but you're also going to gain new skill feats, ancestry feats, and skill increases, which are sort of like ability score improvements in D&D. So right there, you can already see a major difference between the two. You get a lot more choices and unique customizations in Pathfinder, whereas in D&D, pretty much once you choose your subclass you're going to get those skills no matter what so the next thing you're going to be doing when creating your character in DD is you're going to then choose a background now for this example we did choose the soldier background and once you choose that background just like when you're picking a race and picking a class you're going to look at that background and apply the following you're going to apply any skill and tool proficiencies that background may have you're going to then apply any equipment they may have as well too and you're going to also develop your character's personality now this is where if you want to go by the book you can develop the following with your character's personality traits ideals bonds and flaws and the player's handbook does a really good job at coming up with some pre-written of all those personality traits and ideals bonds and flaws now you don't have to choose those at all but for when you're making character and you want to that you want to try to come up with something pretty quick these can help you and then you can just sort of develop it as you go on now that is a little bit different com when we compare pathfinders ability or pathfinders backgrounds as well here too so we're gonna be i, I chose the closest to soldier and 
Pathfinder as of right now, and that was the Warrior. So in terms of Pathfinder, you're going to choose your background. You're going to choose two ability boosts as well. One must be to strength or constitution, and one is a free ability boost. And then you apply any skill boost as well, too. So for the Warrior, you gain the Intimidation skill and the Warfare lore skill, and you gain the Intimidating Glare skill feat as well. Um, oh, and you also apply any lore skills. That's part of the skill boost and skill feats as well. So, and then that's pretty much it when it comes to the background for Pathfinder. That That is one thing that I feel Pathfinder lacks a little bit is a more of the role-playing aspect of it because you don't, you have to really develop your character's personality by themselves. And some people may like that and some others may not. Um, I personally like the what D&D does where it just sort of gives you a little bit of a helping hand to try to figure out your character's personality. But some others may just be like, well, I'm going to figure out their personality as I play them. And you know, that's perfectly fine. So that is one big difference for the most part it's very similar uh, you know you don't get any equipment from choosing your background in pathfinder but you do get sort of similar things you know skill and tool proficiencies and some skill boosts and skill feats it's pretty similar on both sides there now those now that is character creation that is character creation in a nutshell for both games now obviously there's a lot more to it you know we can get more granular and finer detail on that but for the most part that's it that's really the basics of both systems there now right off the bat you can already tell pathfinder really prides itself on trying to make unique and customizable characters for you to just dive in and try to really figure out the character you want to make and DD on the other side is really just it seems very friendly for newer players to be able to just dive in choose a character apply the traits boom go and just you can make a character really quickly after you get used to the idea of making a character. It really feels like Pathfinder, you want to spend more time trying to develop your character as you go on. Now, the next thing we're going to be discussing is combat. Now, combat is very important in a game like both of these because that is going to be the majority of how you build your characters, how effective they're going to be in combat. Now, both systems are pretty different in terms of the way they do combat when it comes to your turn. So let's just briefly go over both of them here. Let's start off with D&D 5th edition. Now, you're going to get a certain set of actions you can do on your turn with D&D. You get a movement, which is your speed. You get an action, which is going to be your physical attack or a spellcasting attack. You get a bonus action, which sometimes allows you to cast a spell or do another kind of physical action. And then you get a reaction. Now, reactions are usually taken when someone like your enemy does something to trigger off that reaction. A very common example is is an attack of opportunity so when they move out of your square you can then take a reaction to then try to attack them again now when it comes to those four basic things now there's also free actions that you can do in DD, but for the most part that's sort of a given there's really not too much that gets done there like maybe pick up a sword something like that so it all depends on what your dm allows but for the basics of DD's combat here is you can do any of these actions here 
at any time. So you could do an action. You can go attack the person and then you can do your movement and then do a bonus action. Or you could say, I'm going to move 10 feet, attack, use your action, maybe do a bonus action to disengage and then use the rest of your movement right there. So once so you have your way you could do this at any time and you don't you're not just limited on just doing it once or once you do that movement action that's it you're done you can't move anymore and the other thing that D&D has that's very different compared to Pathfinder is the advantage and disadvantage dice now advantage and disadvantage is usually given to when you're either flanking an enemy or based on a spell or ability that's giving you advantage or disadvantage or a condition that's giving you advantage or disadvantage as well too so with advantage and disadvantage what that means is when you go to do an action or an attack or a spell attack you're going to roll two D20. Now, when you have advantage, you're going to take the highest of the two. When you're at disadvantage, you're going to take the lowest of the two. So that is sort of what they've gotten away from when doing penalties and all that when you're sort of trapped or flanked or some sort of condition as well. It makes things a little bit easier and smoother and quicker when it comes to battle. Now, Pathfinder, on the other hand, I really like what they did with their combat system here now they have what is typically called the three action economy meaning you get three actions on your turn movement is considered one action attacking is considered one action and any of your skills may take up to one two or three actions and that's including spells as well too certain spells will take one two one two or three actions as well now the cool thing about that is right off the bat at level one you are not stuck with just attacking once now the caveat to that is you do get penalties if you try to attack more than once now what i mean by that is so let's say you're a level one fighter and you get a plus five to hit you know with your weapon and you roll your d20 and you rolled a 15 so plus five you get 10 right off the bat or you know 20 right off the bat and so you hit the monster and you attack them you want to attack again now you're going to get a penalty you're going to get a negative five penalty when you try to attack again so that plus five you got is kind of negated there so you're just going to get a straight dice roll pretty much at that point and so if you want to attack them a third time you're going to get a negative 10 penalty as well so you're going to whatever you roll in the dice you're going to minus 10 to that now of course there's caveats to where you can negate your penalty a little bit depending on your class or skill feat and then there's also going to be more bonuses that you can potentially get to sort of negate that penalty more and more as you level up but that is a big big difference between the two systems right off the bat because most classes don't have the ability to attack a second time until they get up to a higher level in DD 5th edition now most of the times when you're doing dual wielding in DD, you can as a bonus action to attack with your offhand but you know that that's sort of that's sort of it if you're not dual wielding then you're kind of stuck just attacking once whereas and if you just have one weapon in pathfinder you can attack three times right off the bat and it makes things a little bit easier to do too um you also get a free action which just like i explained in D D is very similar to where you pick up a sword you 
do something simple, right? And you do get reactions in Pathfinder 2 that are very similar to D&D. So not all classes get attack of opportunities in this in the system here as well there's certain classes that only get attack of opportunities as a feat so you would want to choose that feat to get an attack of opportunity or just like in DD, there's skills or other feats or spells that cause a reaction for you to take as well and then we also sort of mentioned the penalties there as well too so penalties are the thing that take over advantage disadvantage so the more you try to do something or when you're in a certain condition you will get a penalty applied to your attack roll or something you'll get a penalty to something giving you a negative to when you do that when you do that dice roll so those are the two biggest differences of combat there in D&D and Pathfinder. D&D, I will have to say, is a little bit more complicated with the combat for newer players, where Pathfinder is pretty simple. You get three actions per turn. You look at your skills and abilities you have. They all have a, an action cost, and you spend those action points every turn, and boom, there you go. That's That's really it. And it's pretty simple to pick up, though I will say I like advantage and disadvantage dice better for newer players compared to penalties because having to remember penalties, you know, pluses and minuses all the time can get a little cumbersome for newer players who may not be used to that, where advantage and disadvantage is just a lot simpler to where you just have two dice to roll and you pick the highest or the lowest of the two. Now, next up, we're going to be discussing skills between the two systems, and that is, and what I mean by skills is I mean more of the stuff on your character sheet, like acrobatics, arcana, athletics, uh, deception, intimidation, those kind of things when I'm talking about skills. Now, let's go over D&D's version of skills here first. Now, a character is either going to be proficient in a skill or not. Only a few classes can actually gain expertise in a skill without DM's intervention. And if I remember correctly, those are going to be Bard and Rogue that can gain expertise and skills. And what I mean by expertise and skills is you basically double the proficiency for that chosen skill. And proficiency is based on what level you are at on your character so you start off with plus two proficiency and then you'll go up to plus three plus four plus five and so on and so forth for DD there now you gain skills from the following in DD from your race your class and background and that's really it there's very few options of ways to gain more proficiencies and skills outside of dm intervention or magic items and what i mean by that is so as you level up the skills that you have are pretty much the skills you're going to be stuck with unless your dm is like okay well you know you've trained in being stealth stealthy as a cleric for you know five levels now you're going to be proficient in it and there's Outside of that, there's really no way to do that unless you talk with your DM or if you get a magic item that allows you to be proficient in said skill as well. But once again, that's still really up to DM intervention. Now, the big difference for Pathfinder is there's not just being proficient or not proficient in a skill. There's actually five ranks of proficiency in skills in Pathfinder, and those are untrained, trained expert master and legendary and each rank gives a different plus 
to that skill. So it starts off like plus two, plus four, plus five, etc., etc. So as you gain skills, you still gain skills the following way from race, class, and background. The biggest difference is though, once you hit level three in your character in Pathfinder, you can decide to upgrade current trained proficiencies or upgrade in untrained proficiencies and you get this choice every two levels. What I really like about this is, let's say you are trained in medicine in Pathfinder, right? And you're, as you level up, you get to level three and you decide, okay, well, I want to become more proficient in medicine. So I'm going to become an expert and then a master and then legendary in, in knowing medicine. But maybe along the way, once you hit level three, your character's like, I don't, I don't really care about medicine anymore. I'm, I'm still going to be trained in it, but I'm going to upgrade another proficiency such as diplomacy. It's untrained right now, but now I'm going to decide to be trained in it and boom, there you go. You have that choice now, and that is you, 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 the player's choice for being proficient in that skill. And you get that choice every two levels after that. And maybe you decide you don't want to be trained in diplomacy anymore. Well, now you you can go and be trained in crafting instead. You know, it's really your choice of what you can do. And then, of course, just like in D and D, there are other ways to become proficient with skills that are with dm intervention and magic items as well too in pathfinder so very 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 similar but the biggest difference is you get choices as you level up every so often in pathfinder to gain better proficiencies and skills instead of just being kind of stuck with what you got in dnd all right, next up on the list here is we're going to be talking about different rule sets, and we'll be discussing the following with these rule sets, and that is going to be weapons, shields, and crafting. Now, just as before, we're not going to get too deep on each one, but I want to sort of showcase the difference in the rule sets between each systems here. So let's go ahead and get started with weapons. Now, when we look at weapons in D&D, we notice, and these are just basic weapons. We're not going over all the magic items in D&D and all that, because I would take way too long for this so just basic weapons for both systems and as you can tell right away off the bat is when you look at D&D there are 37 weapon types when you look in the player's handbook and then each of those have different traits and what I mean by traits is some of them are going to be finesse weapons or two-handed weapons or they're going to be ranged weapons um, stuff like that and there are 11 of those weapon traits and when you get an example like a great axe, it is going to be heavy and two-handed are the two traits, and it is going to have a 1d12 with slashing. Now, when you look at the other side of Pathfinder here, you'll notice a very big difference that there are 78 weapon types, 32 weapon traits, and just an example is a great axe. Great axe is very similar to the great axe in D&D, but there's a big difference. It's two-handed and it does have a sweep trait and it has 1d12 slash 1d12 slashing. So one of the biggest differences that I see here between the two is not just the amount of traits, but the amount of flavor weapons as well too that Pathfinder has. So one of the things that I get 
asked about a lot with my players, especially ones who like to make monks. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of monk-like weapons like katars or or maybe clan daggers or something like uh you know like nunchucks or katanas anything like that now you know you could use you know substitutes for that in D&D but it's it's sort of a big flavor thing that you don't really see that a lot in D&D now obviously there could you can make stuff up there's stuff there online but you know for people like myself that love to use the official stuff written by the companies I really like the fact that Pathfinder Paizo has added stuff like nunchucks and katanas and commas and katars for those kind of classes like ninjas or assassins or samurai or monks as well for you to be able to use now even though they may do the same kind of damage as a short sword or a quarter staff or anything like that but it's just sort of that flavor that you could actually choose it the other big difference is the amount of traits now D&D's traits are pretty simple here, which is nice because having too many traits and having to remember what they all do can be a bit overwhelming, and the traits are pretty simple. Now, like there's versatile, there's two-handed throne, those are all pretty simple traits here. One of the things that I really, really like with Pathfinder, what they do is some of their other traits like a backswing or a sweep or a trip or a shove trait abilities so let's say you have something what would have a so for the example of a trip trait would be something like a bow staff that a monk may use and there's really nothing like that in D&D it'd be more of a you'd want to do like a grapple or shove action with your weapon in D&D which is not bad but it's cool to see that your weapons in Pathfinder something like the bow staff does have the ability to trip your opponent as well so that so you can instead of just doing an attack action like so well I'm going to try to trip them so they fall on their back and they're now laying prone as well so there a lot of the weapons have a lot of different traits like that and I really like that um you know some are also considered non-lethal as well so you wouldn't be able to kill them with that weapon but you could make a you know non-lethal attack with it um so the like i said those are the two biggest differences i would have to say dnds are a little bit more simpler and that's probably better for newer players where pathfinder is more of if you really really want to choose a weapon and really get down and dirty with the traits of it and the customization of it you'll really really like that as well and there are so many more weapons to choose from in Pathfinder. Now the next thing we're going to be talking about is shields. Now this may seem pretty boring to talk about but I think when I was first reading Pathfinder this is what really I think sort of started this sparked this whole episode that I was really, really surprised at the amount of rules just for shields in Pathfinder. Now, I will admit I have not played Pathfinder 1st Edition. I have only played Pathfinder 2nd Edition. I have read over the rulebook of Pathfinder 1st Edition, but not enough to be well-versed in it or, or even be able to speak on behalf of it. So the thing is also is I've only ever played in Pathfinder. I've never DM'd Pathfinder, whereas D&D, I've been both a player and DM a lot. So one of the biggest things that really got to me at first was, holy crap, there's all these 
rules for shields that I personally love as a DM and a player. And then I look at the shields for D&D and I'm like, oh, that's it. There's really nothing else. So just to go over it really quick, in D&D shields, just grant its user plus two AC, plus two to your armor class. There's no other rule stated for cover or taking damage or breaking the shield as well. That's all really going to be up to your DM. And there's really only one type of shield in the game outside of magic items. I have to specify outside of magic items um, because with magic items, there are plenty of other shields out there that are big, small, so on and so forth. But when it comes to just mundane, common items, there's only one type of shield in the game and that's it. There's no other rules for it. Now, when you look at Pathfinder, you have four different types of shields just to start off with and outside of magic items that each have different AC bonuses. They are buckler, wooden shield, steel shield, and tower shield. And you also have to use an action in order to gain the AC bonus to raise the shield. Now, that is sort of the same in D&D where you have to quote unquote don the shield and state that you're wearing, you know, holding it up as you're fighting to gain the plus two AC. But for the most part, most DMs like myself, as long as you're not using a two handed weapon and you have a shield, I'm going to always assume that you're going to be going into combat with your shield at the ready in D and D. But in Pathfinder, it's, it's a little bit slightly different that you don't get that AC bonus unless you use an action to raise the shield. And the other thing about it is shields can break based on how much damage they take. And there is a little calculation for that as well, because each shield has its own kind of hardness and toughness as well, too. The other thing that I really like with the shields in Pathfinder is especially the tower shield is you could use that to get half cover and basically double the AC bonus you would get when you're using that. So that is really the main differences between the two. I love the fact that Pathfinder has different types of shields you can get and you can, there's really nothing like that in D and D and now I'm sure at the time of this recording, maybe there will be more different kind of mundane shields as the game goes on. But as of this recording, there's nothing right now, nothing in any rule book for D and D fifth edition as of right now. All right, so for the last thing about rule sets is I want to talk about crafting and the differences between the two. So when you look at crafting in D&D, you first have to be proficient in the crafting tools of your choice, whether they're carpenter, blacksmith tools, mason tools, etc. You can only craft one or more items not exceeding five gold pieces, and you must expend raw materials worth half the total market value. If you craft something greater than five gold pieces, you make progress every day in five gold piece increments until you reach the market value of the item. No rolling required to see if you pass or fail. Now, the thing that I kind of don't like about the rules for crafting, and this is all based off the player's handbook. I do know there are additional crafting rules in Xanathar's Guide, but just going based off of what the player's handbook says, um, if you wanted to craft a longbow in D&D, a longbow just based off its cost is 50 gold pieces and you can only do five gold piece increments, it would take you 
10 days in order to craft a longbow. Now, the, the rules in Xanathars, if I remember correctly, you can have other people help you to help produce that faster in order to get the item done quicker. So if you have two people helping, then it's an extra five gold a day. So meaning 10 gold, so it'd only take five days instead of 10 days. And the, the good thing I do like with the crafting in D&D is there's no rolling required. Now, obviously your DM may have you roll to see if you pass or fail to see if it was a bad item or good item. And DMs like myself where you know they may not want to be in town for 10 days, 2 weeks and all that, you may just have them say, "Okay, roll to see if you make the item. If not, then you're just going to fail because that that can be a little bit cumbersome to be honest." Now, we look at Pathfinder's crafting, and you need a little bit more for crafting there. Uh, you must have the craft skill. You must have the formula for the tool or the weapon you want to make. You must have the tools and the raw materials. After four days of making that item, you roll a crafting check, and if it's successful, you expend the raw materials and can pay the remaining portion of the item's price and materials, if any, to complete the item immediately or spend additional days to complete it. Now, this is where things get a little bit confusing because there's a little bit of a calculation you have to do in terms of the item's cost and how much raw materials and if you're successful or not after the crafting check. So if you completely fail the crafting check, then you might as well just throw the weapon away and start all over. Um, and that's something I, I like that Pathfinder has a lot more rules for it. I really like the fact that, oh, you there's formulas for it where you have to know the formula for it. And then you have to spend, you do spend technically less days to be able to craft an item, but you can also be a little bit more expensive because after four days, let's say you want to make a longbow um, without knowing the exact price of it in Pathfinder, let's just use D&Ds make a longbow and maybe you have 20 gold pieces left of it boom you just spend the 20 gold and now you crafted the longbow um that is the i like the little bit deeper minutiae of the crafting in pathfinder but i think oh god it's kind of hard to choose which one i kind of like better it's i like both systems and i feel like both of them just from a player perspective i'd rather just buy the item <laughs> instead of just crafting it but it really depends on what you're crafting because there could be simple stuff you're crafting like if you're an alchemist and pathfinder maybe you want to craft some more stuff for your bombs or potions or something like that and just craft a whole bunch of stuff real quick and same in DD. maybe you're an artificer and you just want to craft some super simple stuff and boom there you go so it's not always going to be the best to craft something super expensive, but if you're crafting just some super small cheap stuff, then you might as well just do the crafting skill of it. So my final thoughts on the two. Um, both games are wonderful. Both games are great. And I love the resurgence of just RPGs in general that uh, both games have had an effect on the RPG community here. So the one thing that you will definitely notice with D&D is it's easier for new players to jump into. It's more likely to find players since it's more widely known. D&D has never been this popular before and it's crazy to me still that it's this popular. But 
I will say classes definitely lack customization and can feel the same if two players play the same class. So if you have two players that play a fighter, they're both going to feel kind of the same if they both pick the same subclass or even if they kind of go different subclasses, they're both going to feel kind of the same. And as a DM, there's definitely some lack, lack of depth with some rules. And I feel like that can be a little bit of a detriment as a DM. Now, it's I know in most cases, majority of the cases, it's always DM's word is final. But there's sometimes where I I as a DM would like there to be rules better written and explained. What and it's hard to specify which ones until you come across that come across that weird situation that your players want to do, right? And you try to look up rules for it in the player's handbook or the DM's guide, what have you, and there's nothing. There's absolutely nothing in terms of the rules. And then you got to do a Google search and you find something from Jeremy Crawford or some web forum and you're just like, oh, okay. Then you got to sort of interpret what you can do with that rule. Now, I'm not saying Pathfinder isn't the same. Pathfinder is pretty similar, but there's a lot more rules in Pathfinder. Now, when it comes to Pathfinder, I would definitely recommend that game for players wanting something a little bit more advanced and in-depth, and they love deep customization with creating characters. That is one of the things that I definitely notice between the two uh, games here, where classes and characters kind of lack customization, but D&D does role-playing better than Pathfinder just based on the rules. So creating characters in D&D is definitely more of trying to create a story of the character whereas in Pathfinder you're creating more stats and more skills and feats of a character if that makes sense. Um, the amount of rules in Pathfinder can be very overwhelming. Um, the, the core rulebook is very big. It's over well, how many like I know it's definitely over 600 pages. Yeah, it's definitely over 600 pages long, and it's it's overwhelming. There's a lot of stuff to know about Pathfinder, and even after reading through this core rulebook three or four times now, it's there's still stuff that I still don't know about. I mean, same goes for D&D 5th edition. I've been playing this, you know, I've read the book I don't know how many times, and there's still small stuff that I don't know. But I will say for Pathfinder 2nd edition you will have a harder time finding people to play with because it's not as popular. It's definitely not as popular. It has that intimidation factor of, oh my gosh, it's a very grindy and mathematical game. It's a spreadsheet game and all that. While I understand that second edition is a lot simpler than first edition, it still has that effect of people wanting to sort of steer clear of it because it can be so in-depth and very very overwhelming for newer players so it's i i still like it i still think it's a great game and i i personally enjoy both so there you have it that's the end of the episode i hope you really enjoyed this little presentation here and you know let me know your thoughts of it you know did did i do well did i do bad you know what did i miss what did i forget you know let me know and i hope you all enjoyed this and have a great day